The heat of the last two days has been blown from all the corners of everything. The rain came last night. The day is bright and wet and clean and quiet. I'm walking through the morning like I'm the first human in the world. Rows of terraces with tiny veggie patches or succulent gardens occupying what used to be rose beds out the front. There's a box of books on the footpath. Free books, it shouts keenly. It's been there, at a guess, for three days. A few faded crime novels, bleached and corrugated by the weather, an ancient copy of Mianjin, a vegetarian cookbook. A few doors down, I find myself passing the house of the neighbourhood sociopath, luminous ute guy. I notice something as I pass in the windows of his house, on the windowsills. Seashells, in height order. Sorted seashells. Luminous ute guy, scary creep for the ages, collects seashells for his windowsills. He has been, this must mean, to a beach. This alone I cannot imagine. Felt the wind in his hair. Bent down and picked up a shell. Stared at the smallness of it. Felt its curves against the palm of his hand. Squinted out at the sea and slipped it into his pocket. Perhaps he smiled. Felt himself fall away. Allowed something bigger to fill his head. Maybe he breathed the salt air into his lungs and felt calm and clear and strong and possibly even gleeful and childlike, and nostalgic, and free. Maybe he dived into the sea and felt the zing and the spritz of it up inside his face and his body jackknived and dolphin-dived and his muscles contracted. And maybe he swam, and maybe later, warm and dry, he felt the heavy tiredness of an ocean-dipped body, the way bodies are meant to be at the end of the day, sleepy and contented and light. Maybe, when he sees the shells lined up on those windowsills, he is transported. But then I remember the way Alan, our neighbour, lost the colour from his face when he saw Luminous Ute Guy one time. I remember the time Luminous Ute Guy spat near my foot when I greeted him. I remember the time I overheard him threatening someone on the telephone who hadn't paid him for some pot they'd bought. I know where you live, you maggot. And I realise, as I walk towards home, that there is a definite possibility that he's just a prick whose mum came over for a tidy-up once and popped a bunch of shells on the windowsill. Oh dear, I think to myself as I head inside. Poor luminous ute guy's mum. It's funny how 24 hours can transform your outlook on the universe at large. The next day, Friday, sees me coming and launches at me with relentless malevolence. Everybody has a question, nobody wants the answer. I don't like the news and I don't like the pressure. I don't like the blinding, breathtaking, mind-clearing horror of climate change or the panicked talk-out-loud seconds during which you can't tell if an email you sent went to the person it was supposed to, and I don't like that when I eat a boiled egg too fast I get their hiccups, and I don't even care what you think I don't like, Peppa Pig or Marzipan. 
It's pretty much night time. I'm almost there. I'm holding it together, like one of those marathon runners wobbling drunkenly towards the finish line. But then I do something silly. I don't even know why I do it. It's almost subconscious. But look, watch me, like a lamb to the slaughter. Here I go. Bam! I've opened Facebook on my phone. What's on your mind? It asks me, sweetly, charming, like all the best psychopaths. Shows me happy faces, tells me what new thing causes cancer, shows me an article about something a sports person did at a party already bearing the suffix gate. My irritation, which was itching, begins to burn. What's on my mind? Never has a medium understood its own usefulness so poorly. A folksy algorithm thinks it's everybody's good-looking mate with its arm around us at the best summer of our young lives, grinning for the camera before bombing into a river off a rope swing while the sun sets over the eucalypts and a dog barks and someone cracks open a beer with his bare chest. Give me a break. Social media is useful because you're disconnected from the very people social media pretends you're connected to. What's on my mind? I'll tell you what's on my mind. It's late and I'm tired and I'm always tired and there's so much to do and nobody else to do it and not enough money and far too much mess and I haven't spoken to an adult since 7am and I broke my grandma's pasta plate and I can't do anything right and as much as I scour social media with hope in my heart, nobody else seems to have a lounge room that looks like the opening scene of a documentary about a blind hoarder attempting to domesticate a family of wild raccoons. I fumble with my keys. What are half of these even for? Why can't I escape the hopeless meanness of all my flaws? And off I go, out into the night like a bad guy in a kid's movie, ducking down the side of the house with the black hood of whoever's jacket I could find near the door pulled up over my head. I'm doing one of my least favourite things. I'm putting the bins out because I don't want to have to chase the bloke in the robot truck down the street at 6.30 in the morning wearing a T-shirt and a six-month-old baby. Not that the bloke ever seems to mind. G'day, doll. Forget again, did you? This whole time, incidentally, I'm being silently judged by an animal. There's a cat, black and white, clean as a whistle, more presentable than I will ever be. A cat who has really got her shit together, witnessing my feeble attempt at performing this stupid human ritual. As I cover my head with an unopened copy of the free magazine you get with your roadside assistance, which I've grabbed out of the recycling. I'm dropping things and swearing and trying again and this stupid jacket I'm wearing is so noisy and stupid and itchy and stupid and slippery and stupid and typical of me. But I've got them now, the bins, and I'm off. Waking up the neighbours for blocks either side, trying not to get my socks too wet in the drizzle darkening the ground beneath my feet. And I conclude once again that I do not like bin juice or goose pimples, or the person I used to work with who signed off emails urging everybody to have a terrific day while making everybody's day spectacular.
spectacularly unterrific in a dazzling variety of ways, and I dislike the widespread misuse of the words existential, surreal, and absolutely, and I don't like hot chocolate made with syrup and served in a tall glass with a weirdly small asymmetrically placed handle or the question, just tap water? In restaurants like Melbourne, tap water isn't better than a lot of people's entire lives. And I hate the generation wars and that weird thing your mind does where time wastes itself by deploying memory to irritate a wound from the past that you thought was gone. Because what good is that? And to whom the spoils? And also, there aren't enough spoils. But otherwise, I know as I walk back from the bins, that my grandma would say, broken past a plate or not, worse things happen at sea, my friend. Worse things happen at sea. And of course they do. But then, hang on, what's this? Cut to me, bringing myself back to a sense of equilibrium, recognising my own privilege, checking my anxiety against the ledger of life experience, back to me, seconds later, here now, frozen on the spot, alone in the dark, my heart pumping fit to burst out of my chest. There's a man in the dark, down the little side lane next to Gail's house. Gail, our neighbour, late 60s, lives alone and insists that the students from the pub urinate on her fence after she goes to bed each night. Little so-and-sos, she calls them. And now here's this man, side on, pissing wantonly onto her fence, breaking me out of my self-indulgence with a jolt. Like, my God, he is really spraying it about, moving his hips in little figures of eight. He's been going for ages. Has he been in training? Drinking Gatorade for days? What's he doing? This seems now undeniably a targeted attack on an older woman's front fence. I'm still standing there, keys in hand, trying to calculate the best course of action when he turns his face towards me and I see, horrified, who it is. Luminous Ute Guy. It's Luminous Ute Guy. He turns his face towards me then, a wry smile dripping with contempt, and he slowly raises one hand in a tinkly little wave. Oh my God, I whisper. He's a monster. My mind is noisy with things to shout at him, about Gale, about whatever he did to Alan up the road, about spitting and pissing and being repulsive despite collecting seashells. But of course I say nothing, and I do nothing, and I duck inside quickly, pretending not to be seeing anything, because I am a woman and he is a man and it is dark and there is nobody else around. Should I call the police? I give it a minute, in the quiet house, and look out the window. He is gone. Worse things, I tell myself, happen at sea. Staring outside, the drama of the moment still pumping in my ears, still fogging up the window with my breath. I look at Gail's house, so well maintained, her garden so neat, her fence so even and perfect that it almost makes me want to 
cry how much effort she has put in, how hurtful this rebuke is designed to be, how it mocks her, this tiny act of nightly terrorism. Maybe, I think to myself, my wet socks in my hand, maybe we are at sea. I'm about to take off the jacket when I slip my hand into its pocket. It's only then that I realise the jacket was my grandma's. I hadn't wanted to wear it lest I rob it of its sense of her. It's been so long now, though. The shape of her shoulders has slouched away on the hook in the hallway and instead of smelling of rose water and palm olive moisturiser, it smells of rain. My hand comes out of the pocket and, oh, I say, oh. Because there, folded neatly in half, is a napkin. Clean, sharp, white, taken, no doubt, from an afternoon tea in a cafe somewhere, never one to waste, the kind my grandmother never travelled without. I lift it to my face, sniff it in search of a scent, but it's just a napkin, in a pocket, in the dark, on bin night. A long time since she, like Gail, had a garden she protected from enemies nobody else took seriously. White moths, neighbourhood kids, the sun. I shake the jacket and hang it up again, take the wet socks and the roadside assist magazine and I head off, finally, towards bed. I glance back before I turn the lights out at the jacket, slumped and damp, arms hanging by its side. Good night. I absent-mindedly say to the jacket. I'm pretty glad the cat didn't see that. But even though it's been a long day and a frustrating day and a lonely day, and despite the horrors of the world and the petty nastiness of luminous Ute Guy, and despite marzipan, I'm glad I'm saying goodnight to a jacket that reminds me of my grandma, because another thing she always said that it's very important to be polite.